Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So a number of years ago, a uh, marketing guru, Malcolm Gladwell, you may have uh, heard of him before, he came out with a book called Outliers. And uh, in that book, uh, one of the things I remember from it is he said that uh, 10,000 is the magic number of greatness. And what he meant is that uh, as he was looking at the, the very best in any profession or any endeavor, that the ones who are better than anyone else have put in at least 10,000 hours of practice to become the best. And the difference between those who are just talented and gifted and those who were the top of the game was just the amount of practice and work that they put into it. In fact, uh, they looked at uh, chess, grandmaster chess players. And he found that without, without exception, including Bobby Fischer, that every single one of those guys has played chess for at least 10,000 hours. Now, I can't even imagine playing chess for 10,000 hours. That's like 400-some days of just constant chess, 24 hours just playing chess, chess, chess. But that's what it took to become the greatest. Now, now think about things that you are good at. What are, what are you, you know, at my house, I think that I'm the very best, now Joy might argue with this, but I am the very best at Mario Kart, right? <laughs> now, how did I, how much time have I put into Mario Kart to be the best? Or, or if you're good at a sport or, or you're good at an instrument, I mean, how much time did you put in to become the best? Uh, many of you, most of you here, from first grade to, to 12th grade, you have put in about 15,000 hours to get ready for the workplace, practicing and getting ready. And by the way, I want to tell you that this today marks actually the 13,507th day that I have not used the quadratic formula in real life here. <laughs> so, but we learn, right? And we get ready. And I want to talk a little bit uh, this morning in our Rhythms series about preparation. We think about all the preparation that goes into these moments. I mean, think about just that Thanksgiving. How much time goes into preparation versus eating? All, you know, we spend days getting ready, hours for this meal, and how fast it goes when the moment actually comes. And I actually saw an article from Lifeway, and it did a survey of pastors. And, and do you know the average pastor in an evangelical church spends 20 hours on their sermon getting ready? I don't, I don't quite put that much in, but, but that's average. So that, that means 48 minutes of preparation for every one minute of talk. So if I was going to meet uh, the average, that means so, so everything I've said since Thanksgiving, since I said that, has taken me 48 minutes to get that ready uh, down here, right? If that's average. Now, so I want to talk about these rhythms of preparation for these important moments that we put in so much time and effort, and I want to talk about this moment that we must be prepared for, and it is the most important moment in your existence. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew 25, and Jesus tells this story here. We're going to look at the first verse, and we're going to hear about this parable or this story that he's talking about, and he's talking about the very end of time when he returns to take us home, or the moment when you die and you face him here. And it's, uh, we know that that's the time he's talking about because it's within the context of him talking about the day and the hour unknown. And so let's begin here in 25.1. And it says, at that time, so that time is the time when Jesus returns. The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. 
Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy. They fell asleep. And at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were there on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came, sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day and you do not know the hour. The time that he's talking about is the end time. And I want to talk about this time right now that we are in. See, because this is the time that we could prepare for that time. And then there's going to be a moment when the door will shut. And the time for preparation is over. You will either be ready or you won't be ready when the door shuts. Right now, the door is open. Right now, you can move in. Right now, you can get oil and you could get ready. But there will be a time where the door will shut. And if you think about that someone would spend 10,000 hours for one game of chess, how much time should you and I prepare for something that's going to affect 10,000 years 100,000 years, a million years, that's going to affect all of eternity for us. How much preparation, how much practice should we put in for that moment? I mean, is there any more important preparation than the time before the door shuts? In church, we must be prepared. There's nothing more important in your life than to be ready for that moment. And how glad we will be because the door will shut. And how glad we will be if we have oil and we're ready. And how foolish and how disappointed and how full of regret we will be if the door shuts and we are out of oil. Now there were five who were ready and there were five who were not. But did you notice that all of them were expecting the bridegroom? All of them wanted to be guests. All of them were looking, but five of them weren't ready for him. Why not? Why weren't those five ready? Well, we see that they didn't have their own oil. Now, if you do a study on oil in Scripture, you'll see that oil symbolizes a number of things. It symbolizes healing in a number of places. It symbolizes abundance. It symbolizes rejoicing. But I think in this passage here, I think uh, the oil stands for anointing and filling in the Spirit. It's being set apart in Christ by the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you where I get that from. So if you go over to 1 Samuel, we see this moment where oil is an important instrument that God uses. And we see the symbolism set up here. And so this is when David is just about to be anointed king. And so he's there with his brothers. And Samuel, in verse 13 of 1 Samuel 16, says, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. So that's to say, okay, you are set apart. There's something different about you. I'm calling you to be king. And so God anoints us with his oil. He sets us apart from the world and says, you are not part of this world. And then what happens? And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. So anointing is to be set apart in God. 
It's to belong to him and have his spirit within us. And we know that as soon as we come to Jesus, we are filled with his Holy Spirit, right? Here's the question. Do you have oil in your lamp? Do you have oil in your jar? Now, as I was looking at this passage, I I also looked at John MacArthur's um, commentary, and I want to read this quote. This is what John MacArthur says about this passage. And he says, when the Lord appears at the end, Many professed Christians will frantically realize their lack of spiritual life. They'll be self-deceived, perhaps believing that mere association with the thing and the people of Christ has made them part of Christ's true church. Skipping down a little further in the commentary, he says, and people who build their lives on any other foundation than Jesus Christ are doomed to destruction. They may feel happy about Jesus. They may admire his teachings, enjoy the fellowship of his people. They may look as prepared for his coming as do true believers, having torches like the rest, but they have no oil which to light them. Now, I'm not not bringing this forward to make you afraid, like, oh, am I saved? Am I not saved? I'm bringing this forward to you to encourage you to take personal responsibility for your oil and personal responsibility for your walk. It's not mysterious. It's not difficult to know if you are a follower of Jesus. It's not difficult to know if you're going to be saved. Romans 10.9 makes it really, really clear. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not that hard. But I I want to bring us back to that first statement. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not Jesus is a good idea, not Jesus is a good, good teacher. Not that I like some of that Jesus stuff. It's to say that Jesus is my Lord. That I've submitted my life to him. And if you confess, yes, Jesus is my Lord, I have submitted my life to him, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to worry about it, right? You know that that's the truth. And I want to, I want to encourage some of you, it's not how good you are at it. It's not that I'm really, really good at being a follower of Jesus or even that I'm a good follower of him. It's how resolved you are in it. And there are some in this room right now that actually look like the very worst Christians, but they are the most resolved in their walk with Christ. And they keep stumbling and they keep falling, but you know what? They keep going forward. They keep going after him. And yes, sometimes we doubt and sometimes we're not sure, but we are resolved to make him our Lord. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You could appear the worst, but actually be the most resolved. And I want you to understand that if Jesus is Lord of your wife's life, that's not enough. That won't do it. If Jesus was Lord of your grandma's life or your grandpa's life, that is not Lord of your life. It doesn't matter. That's not going to help you. And see, the other five, you look at that, the other five, actually, I don't think they were selfish. The other five, they wouldn't share because they were being asked to give something that they cannot give away, that it's not possible for them to give, which is a life that's submitted over to, a life that is given to Jesus, a life that is ready for Jesus and his coming. And I want you to understand a point here is that you cannot use someone else's oil. It's impossible. You can't pick up their oil. You can't kind of like rub against your family's oil, and then, oh, I got some on me, I'm okay now. 
See, you can't use someone else's love for Jesus. You can't borrow someone else's passion for Jesus. You can't use somebody else's faith for Jesus. You, you can't produce someone else's fruit. You have to have your own oil. Now, they can inspire you, right? Others can encourage you. It's attributed to John Wesley, but I can't find anywhere where he actually said this, but it's a great quote. And somebody, maybe John Wesley said, he says, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles around to watch you burn. I want to burn for Jesus. I want to be contagious. I'm happy to, for you to watch me burn for Jesus. And I hope it inspires you and it pushes you on, but you know what, you can't take my passion. And I can't use your passion. All we can do is inspire one another with our passion. And you have to cultivate your own oil. You have to cultivate your own passion. And there's only one place. They say, go out and buy some oil. And there's only one place that you can get the oil. is the one who owns it and gives it. And it comes from what? You seeking him. You finding him. You going directly to the one who owns the oil and says, I, saying, I need oil. And it's not hard. It's not mysterious. But you know what? It is focused. And it does require preparation and practice and determination. Which brings us into our series here. We're talking about rhythms. We're talking about daily living. And I want to talk about the practice of preparation for this moment. And what if in your life, what if every single day, the primary purpose of every single moment was to make sure that your lamp is burning as bright as it possibly can be with as much oil as you can possibly have so when the Lord returns, you are completely ready. That the intent of every day, the intent of every moment is this practice and this preparation, more of the Lord's presence, for more of knowing him, for a deeper love, a deeper knowledge, for living for him and being with him in every moment comes to that. There was a uh, actually very courageous soldier in the 1600s who uh, after fighting in the war, after actually he got caught by the other side, was released because of his devotion and his courage, he became a monk. And his name was Brother Lawrence, you may have heard of him. And uh, he, uh, his teachings and his learnings uh, in the monastery were put together by his followers after he died, and it's called The Practice of the Presence of God. I love that title. One uh, interesting uh, fact about Brother Lawrence, uh, he got really sick uh, in the last year of his life, and the first time of three different times he had illness, uh, the doctor came and helped him. And he told the doctor, he said, uh, Doctor, you did too good of a job because uh, uh, you prevented me from moving into happiness. Amazing guy. But I want to read this quote from Brother Lawrence. And he says, There's not in the world a kind of life, listen to this, more sweet and more delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice it and experience it. See, I can tell you about how sweet it is to know God. I can tell you about how wonderful it is to just talk with him and walk with him and be with him, but you must experience it for yourself. You have to get your own oil. And how do you find it? You practice living in his presence every day in every moment, always looking to him. So a dear woman from our church I talked to this week and she said, you know, I was praying for, uh, for you, I was praying for the church 
She said, I, I just felt like, and it was actually, she had some tears in her eyes as she was saying this. She said, I just felt like God was, was saying that uh, church right now is just a well-oiled machine and it is just really good. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And, you know, I appreciated that. But then I walked away and I was like, is that good? And I prayed. I, I, I said, Lord, is it good that we're a well-oiled machine? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me immediately. And, and I know that this is what he said. He said, yeah, it's good as long as the oil is the Holy Spirit. If the oil is my systems, my leadership, my work, if the, if the oil is our efforts, then, then we're not oiled. But if the Holy Spirit is running through everything that we do and we're a well-oiled machine, I mean, that's right exactly where I want to be. And you know what? That's what I want your life to be. A well-oiled machine just always moving and flowing in the Holy Spirit in all that you do that you are practicing the presence of God everywhere you go. To think about his presence and his oil in your life at all times. To be a well-oiled machine in the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? So that means in every moment, you're about to sign a contract. Do it by his Holy Spirit. Lord, is there anything I should change? Lord, should I sign this? A well-oiled machine, you follow him. If you're about to eat, you do it by his Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for these amazing gifts that you have given me right now. If you're, you're tired of the cold here and you're gonna go sit on the beach pretty soon, Sit on the beach by the power and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for what you've created. I see you, God, and what you've done. It's just amazing. You've thought up an ocean. Wow, that's incredible. When you're driving to school or you're driving to work, I mean, on your way, do it by the Holy Spirit. Here I am, Lord, about to step into the workplace. Would you please, by your Spirit, give me opportunities? Show me what... You show me where you are in the middle of this. If you're just sitting there reading a book, invite the Holy Spirit in the midst of it. It doesn't even have to be a Christian book. Lord, illuminate me. Speak to me in the midst of this. Show me what I should learn. If you're about to hang drywall, do it by the Spirit. With worship and praise, Lord, this is, this is my craft that I dedicate to you. Let me show you what else Brother Lawrence here says. He says... Maybe that's the one I just read. Here it is. Let us occupy ourselves entirely in knowing God. Isn't that good? The more we know him, the more we will desire to know him. And as love increases with knowledge, the more we know God, the more we will truly love God. That's oil. That's the oil of his presence. Growing from our daily practice to see him. Ah, oh, Jesus, I see you here. God, I see you moving. Will you please bring more? I want more of you in the midst of this. And so your work can be a well-oiled machine by the oil of his Holy Spirit. Your school can be a well-oiled machine where we always are praying and we're seeking and we're walking and we're just looking for God with the goal of bringing glory to him in everything. So I want to talk a little bit about these practices, practicing the presence of God that undergird your oil, that bring oil to your life. And the first practice is what I've already talked about. It's just prayer. Prayer is just talking with God. And it's to have continued. You know, the scripture says pray about everything. 
pray about anything. Pray continually. Stop, you know, you, you need to quit thinking about prayers this moment where you're like, okay, I do my prayers in the morning. But that, and sure, that's part of it. Or I do my prayers at 4.30 when God wakes me up. Yeah, that happens too. And there's times for intercession and there's time for fighting. But prayer is continual. And we're just talking to him all day long. We're seeking. It's a two-way conversation that we get to have with the God of the universe. Let your life be a practice of a conversation with God. And then I also want to encourage you that your life, this practice is also the way and the frequency and the need to get in the word of God. And if I've told you this once, I will tell you a thousand, I've told you a thousand times and I'm gonna tell you again, if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to be in your Bible every single day. It's just like, it's trying to be a human and only eating once a week. You have to be in the Word, and not for hours, but just 15 minutes a day. And I know many of us are like, oh, I just don't have time for this. You know, I saw a study by the BBC. Do you know that the average adult spends 4.8 hours on their cell phone a day? You have time. I want to tell you, you have time. You just don't know how important this book is and how powerful it is in your life. You just haven't made a priority because you don't understand what it does. You don't understand the oil that comes from this. If you understood how this will change your life and how this will get your life ready, if you understood how important this was, you would make time every single day to be in it. Now, I went to Psalm 119, which talks all about his word. And I have this little list here, if you bring that up. So this, are just, this is just from Psalm 119. Every idea in here is pulled from this one psalm. And this is what happens, if you could bring up that slide, this is what happens in Psalm 119. You can bring that up any time now. <laughs> Are you guys back there, hello? Because uh, I can't read it, it's too small. There we are, thank you. So now if you go in Psalm 119, this is everything that happens from a person to a person who reads God word, God's word and applies it to their life, okay? So if you read God's word and you apply it to your life, this is the results. These are the promises. You will shame. You will live. Scorn and contempt will be removed from your life. You will be kept from deceit. You will find delight. You will see disgrace and dread removed from you. You will experience love and salvation. If you read his word regularly and you apply it to his life, you will see love and salvation. You will walk in freedom. You will receive grace. You will receive compassion. You will be given insight. Your path will be illuminated before you. You will be sustained. You will receive peace. Your ways will be kept pure. You will see wonderful things. You'll be strengthened. Your heart will be set free. You will turn from worthless things. Your life will be preserved. You will have answers for taunts that come against you. You will have comfort in suffering. You will receive good. You will be made wise. You will gain understanding. You will be shielded you will be upheld you'll be protected from stumbling but you don't have to read it if you don't want to it's up to you do you want that that's what comes that's where we find oil you know michael jordan he, he says that you can practice shooting eight hours a day but if your technique is wrong then all you become is very good at shooting the wrong way now i want to encourage you the way that you come into the word that actually you prepare yourself as you get into scripture. Every time, before I read the Bible, and I read it every single morning, and every time I come to it like this, I say a prayer sort of like this, Holy Spirit, would you please instruct me? Would you please talk to me? 
Would you illuminate something to me? Whatever you want, God. If it's a challenge, if it's an encouragement, I just want to hear from you through your word. And then I go into the word. And you know what I do? I go slowly. Right now, I'm reading the Bible again right now, and I'm doing it about eight verses, maybe 10 verses a day, and that's it. It's going to take me about five years to get through this time. But I'm meditating on it, and I'm thinking it, because you know what? I approach this book like a conversation. This is a two-way conversation. God is talking to me, and I am talking to him. And so what happens is I read, and I'm like, and, and you know what? It's good. It's great. If you're doing like a Bible and a year plan, that's fine too. But make sure that you are listening for God to talk to you and meet you in the midst of it. And so I read until I find something that's like, hmm, that's interesting. Wow, that's good. And I wait, and I think on it, and I pray about it. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you have for me in the midst of this? Is, is there something that you want to do? See, you don't just know the word. Just don't cram it in. Seek his will. Talk to him in the midst of it. Speak to me. And I think some of us, we, we need to apply fewer words more. And just take a little time with it to meditate and pray and let it take root. I, uh, a couple weeks ago, I read Zach, Zechariah 3, the first few uh, verses, and I'm going to actually talk about this in a couple weeks. But it has just wrecked me. And I've just been thinking on it and praying on it and, on it and praying on it. You should check it out. It's an amazing passage. And when you come into the Word, say, okay, Lord, do I need this? Do I do this? Is there something that you're trying to say to me in the middle of this? Start having a conversation with Him in the midst of it to practice the presence of God. Isn't that cool? Every day you can talk to God. And you can know it's from Him because it's in His Word. So we've got the practice of prayer and we've got the practice of His Word. And I want to talk a little bit about the practice of worship. We just got done with worship. We still are worshiping, I hope, right now. And now, can I give you a goal for our time here as a church? Can we come with a, a common goal? Here's a goal. That every time we come to this place, that what we want to do is we want to meet with God and we want to love on other people. Can that be the purpose, the reason for our gathering here? And if we do that, if we all come, a beautiful thing starts to happen and it becomes less and less about the, the songs that Eric chooses and it's less and less about how good or how bad I'm preaching and it's more about your mindset, your preparation and the way that you find God. How did you get ready for church today? Now right now we take separate cars and I'll tell you why we take separate cars because usually how I get ready for church is this, get in the car, come on. We're late. Anybody get ready for church like that? That's how I often get ready for church, right? And that really just sets my kids up to receive from the Lord. <laughs> Come on. Is that how we prepare? If the goal is to meet with God and love on other people, shouldn't we prepare our hearts in a little different way? You know, I, I found for me, it takes about three songs before I kind of get there. It just takes, like, by the time worship is over, I'm like, hey, I've arrived. So this uh, last week, uh, Sarah preached, and she did an awesome job. And as, uh, you know, so I got to come to church as, a, like, a, just a civilian, you know. And so I decided, I knew I was going to preach on this, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to come ready. And so before I even left the home, I put worship on, and I actually started. I was like, I'm going to take care of my three songs here. And so I took care of my three songs at home and I came in, I didn't scream at anybody and we all got here on time, it was a miracle. And then uh, I sat over there and you know what, the very first song, I was in the presence of God. 
And the second song, I was going deeper into the presence of God. And the third song, I mean, it was just like, you know, glory all around. I was just connecting with God in the middle of it because I came prepared. And I told Eric, I was like, I have one big complaint about worship, and it's that I wanted it to go longer. I wanted more because if you taste the presence of God, if you're connected with God, what more do you want in life, right? Church, we need to prepare ourselves. Do you come here ready? Do you come here ready to receive? Is your heart ready? Are you praying before you get here? You know what, what if you come like, you, you already prayed for that lady that you know that sits two rows in front of you. Lord, Lord, I just want you to minister to her and you've already done that before you even get here. What if I'm already quieting my heart? What if I come here prepared to meet the Lord? I come here on time and I'm just ready, Lord. If you want me to go to talk to someone, if you want me to invite a new person in, if you want me to reach out, I'm ready, here I am, Lord. Whatever you want from me this morning, I'm dialed into you, I'm tuned into you. And with my kids, that it's not to just get them in the car, but I'm trying to prepare their hearts. Just this morning, as Naya and I were driving in, she says, hey, could, she wants, she's listening to Billie Jean by Michael Jackson a lot right now. I don't know why, but that's like, the, she's like, hey, can we put that song? I'm like, no, not right now. We gotta get our hearts ready. We're gonna listen to a little different music right now. We, we'll listen to that when we get home. But right now, let, let's get our kids ready. And what if, what if we just, before we even got here, we were already looking for him? We're ready to recognize him. And what if we were like, okay, I'm gonna take note. Anything that you have for me, God, I, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna write that down, I'm gonna pay attention to it. You know what I think would happen if we all did that? I think we would find him. I think we would experience him. I think we would practice the presence of God because of our preparation. And no matter what song we sing or no matter how I preach, we would come and we would hear from God. We'd touch the heart of God. But I want to encourage you, listen, you cannot borrow someone else's oil. Eric can't get ready for you. I can't prepare for you. You have got to go directly to the owner to get your own oil. The only way to get it is to go to him. And how do you buy oil? Go and buy some oil for yourself. What currency could we possibly, possibly bring? Here's our currency. Here's the currency that you have that you can spend that I promise you, if you spend this currency, you will receive oil. And it's simply this. Your currency is your pursuit. What you can put down on the table is your attention, your devotion, your seeking. And so we put that currency down on the table and God gives us oil. You know, we've got our small group uh, launch that's coming after second service. You could come in and have some chili with us and some lunch. And we've got a number of new small groups that will be represented there. And you, remember, you know those like uh, pampered chef parties or uh, a long time ago Tupperware parties? You know what I see small groups as? It's a big oil party. And what we do is we make oil together. And we, we share oil and we receive oil. And it's a great place to get oil. So connect with other people. If you're not in a small group, go have an oil party. Get into a big oil party where you could come and grow. It's another way to get your lamp full. I don't know about you, but it seems to me like Jesus has taken a long time to come back. I remember I was like, you know, I, I was praying, Jesus, why didn't you come back a long time ago? What is taking so long? And I had this thought, I think it was the Holy Spirit, I was waiting for you. 
And so I think that there's a few more people that he's waiting for here, right? And so we're waiting, you know, hurry back, Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming. There's just a few more of my children I got to bring in here. And do you notice that all 10 of the virgins, all 10 of them got sleepy? In fact, all 10 of them fell asleep. And all 10 of them were startled by the midnight cry that is going to come. There will be the midnight cry. But even though all 10 of them were sleepy, did you notice that five of them were ready? Even though they were sleeping, they were ready. And it wasn't from a last-ditch effort where they just kind of ran out and like, oh, tried to get everything together. It was from a daily practice. It's what they did in the daytime to be ready for the nighttime. Are you ready for the return of Jesus? Listen, if some of you, if you're not ready, if you're not sure that you're ready for the return of Jesus, If you're not sure that Jesus is your Lord, I'm going to give you a chance here in just a little while, just a few minutes, to make him your Lord. They got ready for the night by what they did in the day. All of us, we need to have these daily rhythms of preparation and practices. And when he returns, we will have plenty of oil to welcome him in. Our jars will be filled. Church, listen, he is coming. He is coming. Later than I expected, but he is coming. And when he comes, the door will be shut. This is our time to prepare. Now is the moment to get ready. And when he comes, I will be ready. There's nothing more important to practice. There's nothing more important to prepare. There's no matter moment that matters more than this moment as it's before us. And we need to receive him now and we need to receive him in every moment so we are ready for that most important moment. So I just want to make sure, if you're not sure, we're going to have communion right now. And communion is open to anyone who knows Jesus, who's made Jesus their Lord. And if you don't know that Jesus is your Lord, if you are not ready or you're not sure that you're ready, we can take care of that right now. And so if you would say, I don't know, I I don't know if I'm ready for that moment. I don't know if I've really given my life to Jesus. Let's just do it right now. If you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to be ready, just lift your hand up right now. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, So a few hands up. There's a hand right up here. If you give him a Bible, I'd appreciate it. Right up here. Thank you. Right over here. Praise the Lord. Okay, now this is what we're going to do. We're going to get ready. I'm so proud of you guys for raising your hand. This is, this is the right moment. This is the right thing to do. It's, yeah, we could clap right now. Okay, so now what it's going to do is we're just going to start. We're going to start with a prayer, okay? And it's a prayer where what you're going to do is you're going to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You're going to ask him to come into your heart. And I want you to understand that it changes everything. That the moment you do this, the moment that you make him Lord, you have oil. You have his Holy Spirit. You are ready. But I also want you to understand that then for the rest of your life, it is a practice of making him Lord more and more and more. It is a practice of going forward. That's what you're endeavoring to do right now. To invite him in, to become his. When the door shuts, you're going to be ready. But then for the rest of your life, you're going to go deeper. We gave you just a little few tools right now that they handed to you to help you get started. So let's begin with this prayer right now. Just, just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. 
I make you my Lord. I confess that I have sinned and I repent for my sin. I turn to you and for the rest of my life, I will follow you. Thank you that I'm saved. Thank you that I'm yours. Fill me with the oil of your Holy Spirit so I will be ready when you return. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord God, I just thank you now for every person who prayed that prayer, Lord. I thank you, God, that they are ready now, that when the door shuts, they are gonna be in the inner room. They're going to be with you. God, that this everyone is welcome, Lord, but we have to decide to move forward and receive it. And I thank you that they have. I thank you, Jesus. Now, please fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would teach them and instruct them. God, the great counselor who comes and fills us, Lord, who brings oil into our life. Lord, I ask that you would show them what it means to follow and the little things right now that you want us to change and the steps that you want us to take forward, Lord, that we would press into this amazing relationship and walk with you and that we would be with you for the rest of our lives. And I thank you, God, they will be with you for the rest of eternity in Jesus' name. Let's give them a, a clap and a welcome into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Now, if you did that, I want to encourage you and invite you to come and celebrate communion right now with the rest of the church. Everyone who is a follower of Jesus, come into communion. And what we're going to do now is this is another time of preparation. This is a place where we come to get oil, a place where we come to connect with God. Now, Scripture tells us we should examine ourselves. So this is an opportunity to say, okay, now, Lord, what do you want to change? What do you want to do differently in my life? And we can lay that down before him. But listen, come freely. He wants to sup with you. He wants to eat with you. He wants to commune with you. So you don't have to get it all worked out. You go to him to get it worked out. So you lay that down and you get touched by him and changed by him, okay? So come with some preparation. As we come and receive these elements and prepare your heart, to receive his oil and to be transformed by him, okay? So Lord, I pray that as we come into communion now that you would meet every single one of us, God. That you would pour out more oil in our lives. More of your presence, more of your spirit. Speak to each of us, help us to commune with you, God. That actually you want us to take you in, into our lives. In all that we are and all that we do. Thank you for your table. Thank you for inviting us to it. We look forward to meeting you right now in these moments. Look forward to being close to you right now in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.